The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 18th chapter. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with uh, his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. They said, Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tonight's sermon is based on our gospel reading from John chapter 18. I invite you to please pray with me. O Lord, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. That on January 17th of 2004, a 66-ton sperm whale died off the southwestern coast of Taiwan and there found itself beached in the midst of that very situation. Is that there, after two weeks of allowing the whale to sit there upon the beach, is that local authorities decided to go ahead and load it and to take it to a laboratory to conduct an autopsy. It took 50 men and three lifting cranes working over 13 hours to hoist the whale off the beach simply onto the flatbed truck. And then they began that slow crawl all the way across town to get the whale to where it needed to be. Is that in the midst of all of this sheer just chaos and confusion and this just awe of all things... That people poured out onto the sidewalks to see this huge whale simply being trucked through their city. Is it there in the midst of that very time as that truck crawled through the city with crowds simply looking on in awe and wonder, the whale exploded? (laughs) Is that in the midst of everything, That's right, the whale and its inside simply exploded all over the streets, all over the cars, all over the sidewalks, all over the people and the shops and storefronts (laughs) there in the midst of things. 
They didn't see that one coming. (laughs) But isn't that a little bit like how life can be? Is that you're simply going along doing your own little thing when all of a sudden, bam, whale explodes. And all of a sudden, life just simply comes at you and you are left, left being hurt and confused with all sorts of questions, with all sorts of wonder, with all sorts of whys that you want answered. Is it, why am I the one being downsized? Why did she leave me? Why did he die so young? Then why did we lose so much money in this investment? So why does our son or our daughter cause us so much pain? So why did I do something so stupid? Why? 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 And when that whale explodes is that we are left trying to pick up the pieces and figure out what in the world went wrong. Is that tonight we continue our sermon series as we continue to look at those witnesses of the crucifixion. Is that those who looked on and saw all that happened to Jesus. And so tonight we come to John chapter 18 as we step into that life of Malchus. Is that there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Malchus was going about his business as normal. Is that he was doing his normal life thing, and before he knows it, simply the whale exploded. And he was left with all the mess. Is that suddenly his right ear was cut off by a fisherman from Galilee, is that who would have saw that one coming? Is that his life was simply thrown out of whack? Is that here in the midst of this Passover time, in the midst of all of the hustle and the bustle and life simply as it normally is, Malchus stepped in to this crowd? This crowd that now goes out to seek Jesus. This crowd of soldiers and high priests, uh, servants, and others who came to him to arrest him. That it says there in our reading that a band of soldiers and officers and chief priests and Pharisees went with their lanterns and their torches and their weapons and they sought out Jesus. That here was that crowd. That crowd of Romans who were in charge of the country. That here were those chief priests who were in charge of the temple and everything that went on in that city. That there indeed were the Pharisees who controlled the religion and controlled the many ways of the influence of faith throughout so many ways. That the highest powers had now been dispatched to go and take care of Jesus. And that's what Malchus steps into. The chaos commences, and it says, then verse 10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The crowd collects and the chaos commences and that's when the whale explodes all over Malchus and his life. The mess is everywhere and indeed what seemed like a simple night, 
of once again doing his duty of dealing with simply just another nameless, faceless, faceless upstart who needs to be put in his place so that we can get back to life as, as normal. And now so much went wrong. So what about you? Have you experienced that kind of mess in your life? That mess that suddenly appears, the unexpected, the unwanted, the undesired. Is that there you find yourself simply trying to survive, trying to get through. Is that you've tried this, you've tried that, you're simply trying to get any sense of control. And yet it's simply something that's just too great for you. So who's in control in this situation that we look at today? Who's in, who's in charge of this very setting there in the garden? Is it the Romans? Is it indeed the high priests and the Jewish leaders? Is Judas in control? Or once again, is he simply just that pawn in a much bigger game? Malchus definitely isn't in control. And certainly Peter isn't either. It's that Peter draws his sword and indeed cuts off an ear. I don't think that's what he was aiming for. <laughs> I don't think that's what Peter indeed thought as he drew his sword. But instead of indeed finding his way of protecting his Lord, Peter once again simply shows that in his flailing attempt to somehow gain control of a situation outside of himself, that he shows just another way of how he fails and how he lets down the very things that he desires or promises that night. That Peter is certainly not in control. That in this life, some may appear to have that kind of control. Some may try to, tr try to seize and to grasp that control. Some may wish that they had that kind of power and control. And yet, even in this garden of his arrest, that Jesus is still clearly the one who is in control. That what do we see in the very accounts of how it begins to be told? That it says in verse 4 of John 18 that Jesus, knowing all things would, that would happen to him, came forward. They didn't surprise him. They didn't sneak up on him. Is that Jesus did not run, and Jesus certainly did not go. That he is the one who steps forward to meet them. He is the one who approaches and does not run. That when Peter strikes Malchus, is that what does Christ command? Put it away. That this is not the very way that I have been called to. That Jesus knows exactly what should happen and exactly how it should happen. And he shows that he is in control. He boldly steps forward and he boldly asks them, who is it that you look for? 
What does John chapter 10, verse 18 say? As Jesus begins to tell of himself as that good shepherd, that no one, no one takes my life from me, but I, I lay it down of my own accord. That even here at his arrest, there is no one who is going to take away from Jesus what he is not already willing to lay down of himself. It says there in Matthew's account of this very same place that after, after Peter strikes the ear, what does he rebuke him with? Is that do you not know that I could call forth 12 legions of angels if I wanted to? Now let's just do the math on this one. Is that a legion in Roman times was 6,000. So 12 legions of 6,000, that's 72,000 angels. Now I think that they could do some damage. <laughs> I think that they could provide some protection. But what does Jesus say? He says that I am in control. Do not think that things are outside of what I am doing. But yet when you look at this life, and you look at how we live, how we act, how we are, is that you see the very ways that we strive for control. So during World War II, psychologists did a study of some different types of soldiers, that they did a study comparing ground troops in World War II to those who were indeed fighter pilots. That they determined after 60 days of continuous battle, the anxiety of ground troops was simply off the charts. Whereas after 60 days, when they surveyed and spoke to those fighter pilots, 93% appeared to be happy and at peace. How is that possible when there's people shooting at you in another plane? It's because of that idea of control. They had their hands on the throttle. They had the ones, they had the very control that is there, is that ground troops, on the other hand, felt forlorn, felt helpless, felt in many ways, is that death could come not just in battle, but it could come just as easily when you're standing there or simply even running the other way. Is so it what does common, you know, common um, popular wisdom tell us? It tells us to seize control, to take it where you can. But what's the plan when the whale explodes? <laughs> what's the plan when life goes astray? That we may try to go ahead and grab hold, but the fact is, is that we find ourselves so often outside of control is that all we need is to even look not just to those in war times, but simply out there in our day-to-day -day life. Is that as I am told is that a German research group has determined that even simply a backup on the interstate can, raise, can, can make your risk of heart attack three times greater than at simple normal rest. 
because you're not in control. And all of a sudden, we begin to be worried and concerned, angry and frustrated, and we want to do something. But the fact is that popular wisdom fails us. That when the whale explodes, that we cannot simply grasp control. So what are we invited to do? We're invited instead to relinquish control, indeed to give it up. To give it up to him who is in control, to him who does have the bigger picture, have the bigger power, have the bigger very place in our, his very care for our life. Is that just as Jesus was in control of this situation, so also is he still in control of your life. And he invites you to come and to find that calm and that peace. So what does it say in John 18, 9? But the very fact is, is that he stayed his disciples and protected them, that this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. So Jesus is calm, collected, cool, for he indeed is in control of that very situation as he trusts the scriptures. That in one particular version of Peanuts, is that in that Peanuts comic strip, is that Lucy is trying to remember her Sunday school memory verse. And after just simply being frustrated, she reaches her point and simply says that maybe it's a verse from the book of Reevaluation. I don't remember that being in the Bible. <laughs> but indeed, isn't that what Scripture is? It is that very word that helps us reevaluate. Reevaluate our life, reevaluate who's in control, reevaluate where we trust and where we turn. I mean, consider again the situation of Malchus. What kind of reevaluation of his life do you think he did that night? <laughs> A man who you are there to arrest cares enough to heal you. <laughs> a man that you are driving to his death desires your good. <laughs> I mean, just think of what it means as we sing in that hymn that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That the very one who is that good shepherd that Hood should be in control, that he gives it all up so that he might indeed give up his life for us. That he who healed others of cuts and scrapes and injuries beyond healing, instead allowed himself to be drained of every last drop of blood. Who loves like that? Who cares like that? I mean, in the midst of our lives is that the fact is, is that you've probably already find yourself either getting ready to go into one of those problematic situations, either in that mess, going into a mess, or coming out of a mess. And so the fact is, is that what does Jesus give? He gives us that promise. 
that we do not need to be hopelessly anxious or indeed faithlessly flailing. No, indeed, he invites us to that perfect peace as he reaches out his hands and he heals us in the very cares of our lives. Don't believe me? (laughs) Well, ask a guy by the name of Malchus and he might be able to tell you a different story. And so may that peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.